current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. will attempt to solve the Lebanon rocket mystery. Of course, it's no mystery why Russia is thanking Ethiopia. We'll talk a lot about famines and failures. And while these things are prophetic, are they also a form of judgment? And should we be judging a Texas pastor for telling Christians what not to say? One thing is for certain, we've got plenty to say as we look at the signs of the times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, April 29th, 2022. To learn more about our program, subscribe, share, or ask a prophecy question, just go to the Way Media app or thewaymedia.net, which is the only place where you can read the articles we discuss. And now, here to help us fill our <laughs> prophetic storehouses is Pastor Mark, who always tells the new hires, don't think of me as your boss. Just think of me as your friend who can fire you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that's a good... Now, that speaks the truth. That's really. a good... Yes. That was, I was, was going to say, and this is an example of smilence, but no, I had to smilence, respond to that. yes. No, but that's my new word when you do that. He's the guy that whatever. He's going to be smilence. Yes. Smilence. I, I don't know what to say, but I smile. Yes. However... That but was, you thought, but you thought in the back of your head, yeah. Wow, that's true. Yeah, yeah. We're buddies, I'm going to use that now. We're, we're buddies until we're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Anyway, I love it. I yes. love it, uh, folks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate your time and attention, and uh, and being a Berean as well. You know, we encourage you, uh, just as Pastor Mark encourages those that listen to his Bible teachings from the pulpit, to be a Berean and see if these things are not true. That's right. So. Here we go. All right, let's get into Israel. This is from JNS.org. I'm going to assume that's Jerusalem News Service or Jewish News Service. I'm JNS. Let me look JNS. that up. I remember Not that news sure. agency. See what they stand for. I'll um, find out. It just was abbreviated for me. Anyway, uh, this uh, article talks about the Lebanon rocket mystery. Who fired on Israel? Well, it's really no mystery. I mean, we. I mean, that's. People who hate Israel, it's just determining, okay, well, which one? That's right. That's right. By the way, it's the Jewish News Syndicate. It sounds oh, like, my word. That sounds, sounds like, horrible. We're here to bring the yeah, news yeah. to you. Got some news for you and a bagel. That's right. <laughs> just leave the horse head on the front porch. I'll be back. Wouldn't it, anyway. be, would it be like a goat head, though, if it was Jewish? I guess it would be. Yeah, yeah not but a I mean, But yeah. syndicate. Yeah, syndicate you know, doesn't sound good. Anyway, that's anyway. the worst thing. All right, yeah. yeah. No, again, they're trying to figure it out, Greg. You're right. It's one of the many terrorists that hate them, but the reality is they haven't nailed down who it is yet. But it's interesting. Somebody, it, uh, Let me read the article, and I'll tell you why this is significant for the nation of Israel. By the way, those that are watching, you're going to see me. My hands are up. You're going to see this thing on my finger. They're going to be wondering, what's wrong with Pastor Mark's finger? I did one of these trigger finger things, not, not shooting a gun, but if they call it trigger finger or something where the tendon gets bent, and this is fixing it. So now you know. You don't have to ask the rest to show or send us messages that's what it is and so i just thought you know i'm going to be doing this the that's, whole show yeah. well and it's got chrome to it so no doubt the light's probably hitting it's probably shining it's you know yeah, like was, you like you're wearing finger bling yeah i was going to go all blacked out but i said oh, to go custom yeah. i'm going custom going i want custom. to go chrome, yeah. chrome go custom. nice yeah so anyway nice. It's nice. we'll put a spinner on it <laughs> Anyway, anyway, but yes. no spin on our news. Here we go. That's the true. Lebanon rock mystery. Who fired it? A rocket ministry. Um, uh, mystery. Sorry. A pre-dawn rocket attack from Lebanon shattered the pastoral quiet of Israel's northwestern Galilee region on Monday, with a projectile exploding in an open area not far from the Jewish communities of Shlomi and Matsuva. Uh, the Israeli Defense Forces responded with an artillery barrage in the direction of the source of fire uh, south of Tyre in Lebanon. 
No entity has claimed responsibility for the attack, which came three days after a Palestinian terrorist faction, also unnamed, fired two rockets in Israel's direction from the Gaza Strip. So both ends now, the southern end and the northern end. Not huge, but I'll tell you why it is huge. So who's behind the latest attack? Possible clues include a message by a senior Hamas official in recent days who warned uh, that uh, should a new conflict erupt between it and Israel, a front will also be open from southern Lebanon. So what they're saying is we're going to shoot at you from both ends, which they've done forever, and they're, they're basically making a statement. Now, the reason, first of all, did either of these bombs do any real damage? No. They really were very um, innocuous. Uh, interesting, one landed in an open field in northern Israel. The other one they shot off didn't even make it out of Lebanon and landed in one of their own schoolyards. Uh, the good news is it was the middle of the night and none of their own kids got hurt. So these are what they call dumb munitions. There's no aiming. I mean, you aim them, but there's no technology that guides them. They, guide they them, just yeah. go up and come down wherever. Now, so they weren't making a statement about, hey, look at our great technology. Aren't we something? What they were doing was, Greg, they were saying, look, we can still fire things into Israel that you can't detect or find if we want to. And if we decide to really bring a barrage, we're going to really just start unloading. The interesting thing about the two that happened up north is they have detection devices all over Israel that are supposed to detect everything, and they work. They didn't catch these two. So now the IDF, which is really good, they kind of it's kind of a blessing to the IDF in the north because what they what they found out is oh we've got a problem here we've got to fix it before a real attack comes so we know when it's coming so they're working on that that probably was God giving them a heads up saying hey something's malfunctioning yeah let's do a new software download or whatever get that working so they're taking care of it. but but the bottom line is there's a statement being made now by their enemies we are still here. Uh, we can't attack. We, we still may, hate you. We may at any time. And so basically just kind of being there on your back porch knowing we, we hate you. We're going to attack you. And remember, in the last days, the Bible says more and more of their enemies will rise up against them and try to destroy them. So this is really more of just that kind of thing saying, you know, hey, we're here. Now, something else is a quick side note we talked about right before the show. Maybe some of you saw oh. I mentioned it because it goes right in line with this munitions. Somebody found some munitions that hadn't been exploded and tried to bring them back on a plane from Israel, showed them to the Israel officials. This is cool. At the airport. Yes. Can we take this home? And they had to clear the entire airport out. So this just happened, not from this attack, but interesting how that was just funny. When I read this article, I think somebody could think, I can grab this munition here, this giant artillery shell, and bring it back. But anyway, that's the kind of stuff they do. They do have more sophisticated weapons. They are going to be using more sophisticated weapons. But this, again, is just building up for more and more uh, of the final attack and the assault which they may try to do before or definitely at the same time that Russia comes in with Iran. Yeah, very well could be. We'll, yeah. we'll definitely keep our eyes on Absolutely. that. Sure. All right, let's get to some Ezekiel 38 and 39 news. We've yes. got plenty of that this week. Uh, this is from Breitbart.com. Uh, Russia thanks Ethiopia, accused of ethnic cleansing for support of the Ukraine war. Yeah, this is interesting, Greg. Now, I... I you know, we talked about the Russian-Iranian invasion and the five main countries that come in. There may be others involved, but right. five main ones mentioned. And um, one of those countries is Ethiopia. Now, whenever I read Ethiopia there in the Scripture, I've, I have always changed it to Sudan, Sudan. Because they both are there in that region together. And the reason I've opted for Sudan rather than the interpretation, and it's, it's, it's something, the word doesn't nail it down to Ethiopia, it's a region. Sure. So that's the thing, when you it, look at yeah, ancient documents. Ancient documents, it's regional. It's regional, so you can't say, is it Sudan or Ethiopia? I've always called it, in my mind, I've always believed it's going to be Sudan, because Sudan, they are the radical, aggressive Muslims against Israel at current. Ethiopia is not so much. But I find it interesting, and maybe there's some overlap here. It's interesting that Ethiopia has decided to stand up with Russia uh, because it's going to be that region that joins Russia in their battle against Israel. And uh, it made me rethink maybe Ethiopia is a better interpretation than what I've been saying. But it's that Mm. region. But I want to read some of this. The Russian embassy and Ethiopia's official Twitter page issued a statement Tuesday, thanking uh, Ethiopia's government and its citizens for their, and I quote, solidarity and support of Russia's latest war with Ukraine. Continuing, the embassy expressed gratitude toward Ethiopia's federal government for its recent support of Russia at the United Nations drawing uh, um, during voting on the Ukraine-related resolution. So here's the bottom line. That area is going to join in with Russia when they attack Israel. 
whether it be Sudan or Ethiopia or maybe a little bit of both. I At this point, Sudan is much more aggressive against Israel than Ethiopia, so I lean towards Sudan. This one article doesn't change my opinion necessarily. However, it did broaden my opinion because reality can't be denied. And if it ends up being Ethiopia that links up with Russia here, um, you know, we may be watching that begin to take place. Uh, we know that that area, they are going to join them. And so it's interesting to watch as this whole building toward this Russian invasion takes place to see the one of the major five that are mentioned there in that regional land area now supporting Russia in some other war and saying, yeah, we're with you. We stand with you. Well, I can see it later going, well, will you stand with us in this? And very well so it may happen. We'll see what develops with this. But a very interesting article in light of prophecy. Okay. Well, our next article, Pastor Mark, comes from Fox News. Putin's war on verge of expanding outside of Ukraine as it cries, quote-unquote, terrorism in Moldova. Now, that country is in the southwest uh, part. Uh, if, if you look at Ukraine, right. it's southwest of Ukraine. On It's on the Ukrainian border. Right. So that really kind of would expand Russia yeah. in deeper, I mean, Across the country versus staying focused on the eastern side. Well, and really the main reason I wanted it here, too, and keep it in the articles is it does show the expanding war. And again, remember, Greg, as this war expands, there's more opportunity for it to advance on down toward Israel. Yeah, which Um, I think it's kind of interesting because that would be basically basically take you across the water at that point if you were to head south from there. Yeah, and and remember, they came in and took Croatia to get the, uh, the ports Yes. Of Ukraine. Yes. Which used to be Croatia was connected to Ukraine. Now it belongs to Russia. And that they now have the ports there on the Black Sea, which is what they crossed to go right on down to Israel. So you have now, you'd have your Air Force coming in, but you also have your Navy now that can come in. So from all sides, you've got Mediterranean, you've got Black Sea, and you've got air. Any of those can be used once he captures that region. And really, he's already captured what he needs there on the Black Sea to do it. But all this does is expand it. Um it says Vladimir Putin's deadly war in Europe is on the brink of expanding outside Ukraine. Um, as they, as you said, talk about acts of terrorism there in Moldova. They're, they're using an excuse to go into yeah, exactly, Moldova. Exactly. Uh, Moscow set its sights on Moldova last week when a Russian general said its goal was to gain full control over not only eastern Ukraine, but regions along its southern um you know, end that sit above the Black Sea. This would allow Russia to gain better access to Transnistria. Or Transnistria. Kind of sounds like... Um, hmm. Transylvania. Yeah, but this is Transnistria, um, an unrecognized breakaway state in Moldova with sympathetic ties to Russia. So apparently there's people there that are... They like Russia. They're connected to Russia, hmm. but they weren't part of it. And now they're being reconnected as he's taking them. So again, it, the ultimate... I guess the overall important thing here is is this is an expanding of russia's power yeah. an expanding of the war which we don't know if it's going to continue to expand on down to israel at this moment but certainly the positioning is taking place for the other prophetic events that need to take place you know the same the same spirit that was involved there in world war ii in hitler's yeah. expanse yeah across europe yeah it's just reminding me of that as i hear it this. really is and you know they looked at it back then great he'll stop he's not going to go any farther he kept going he kept going and again we didn't get yeah. into it until we were forced into until it, we were remember? forced into it yeah. and uh and so again there there's and, and might i remind our listeners it's not just hitler it was the spirit behind hitler yeah the the regional demons and Satan himself, I believe. Well, we have those same regional demons right now all They've around the globe. Been the fallen angels. Yeah. You have Satan still working. So when you see a nation moved in the past that way, you see a man moved. The enemy can move someone else that same way, and he will. So don't be surprised if you see the same tactics. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. All right, uh, Pastor Mark. Our next story comes from Time, the Times of Israel. Uh, Russian envoy is saying we'll respond accordingly. If Israel gives Ukraine defensive gear. Yeah, it just keeps escalating, doesn't it? Yes, it, it does. Just, it's almost like you're watching this thing getting heated up from all sides. Yeah. And um, again, you see Russia... They're looking for any excuse. Well, they're being more and more inflamed. And this is an excuse that, um, um, you know, Israel is... Yeah, I say that Israel's giving them, that they're grabbing onto. I mean, uh, Russia's envoy to Israel warned Thursday that Moscow will respond um, uh, to uh, if Jerusalem supplies... Uh, Kiev or uh, Kiev 
with defensive gear among his country's invasion of Ukraine, speaking with Russian state television ambassador Anatoly Viktorov, he noted Defense Ministry Benigant's announcement a day earlier that Israel will provide Ukraine with helmets and flag jackets. Now, Israel's made a point. Well, let me see if the article says it before okay. I say it. Sure. Gant's office stressed the equipment. They do. Gant's office stressed uh, the equipment will go to Ukrainian civilian rescue and medical forces, not the military. So all they're saying is we're giving helmets and flag jackets to civilians and medical people. And I quote, uh, we are, this is from uh, Viktorov from Russia. We're carefully checking this information and will respond accordingly if it is confirmed. It, will not, it was not clear from uh, Viktorov's remarks what such a response might entail. Here's the bottom line. All right. Israel, we've been a friend to you, at least to some degree. You help our enemies? Well, not so much. We're not going to be so much a friend. And you know what? We'll take whatever proper response we need to take. So really, it, it wasn't a veiled threat. It was a threat. But it's interesting. I don't know that they'll take some huge action because all Israel said is this is going to civilians and medical people, which Russia really apparently doesn't care who they take out. But at the same time, it's not like they're helping the military. They're simply trying to help the civilians and those that are working uh, in the medical. So uh, it's probably not quite as inflaming as it would be. But at the same time, boy, any excuse. Well, and especially Israel, because we know prophetically they're going to get inflamed enough to where they're going to go take care of it. And so here's more inflammation. More hooks. It was more hooks. And uh, I think you need, again, this is where Israel needs to be taking that spiritual. Well, Russia needs to be taking that spiritual ibuprofen <laughs> to for de-inflammation. How about some spiritual Benadryl? Yes. Spiritual, let's, let's just relax. Put them to sleep. Let's, let's, That's let's what relax. Satan's doing to yes. our, our culture. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're being put to sleep. Absolutely. So, well, yeah, through, but, through drugs and video games, yeah. as we learned from Yuval Noah Harari. That's right. That's right. But this, again, more articles to show the inflammation is getting worse between Russia and Israel. And do not forget, Russia is on Israel's border as we speak, and we know they're coming in at some point. So these are things to keep your eye on. Absolutely. Okay. All right, let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and heavy on the corruption. Uh, We've got several articles here, Pastor Mark, that are all kind of famine-related. Uh, the first one here is from Breitbart.com. Global food crisis, the IMF, uh, which I think is the International Monetary Fund. Yes. Uh, is um, Don't know why they're warning, but they are. They're warning of unrest amid food supply shortages. Yeah, let's take these one at a time. Yeah. This, there's going to be an overall theme here for our listeners for the next few minutes here on famine. Um, and let me just make one comment. Remember, Jesus said in the last days, one of the things you're going to see happening in the time of sorrows is more and more worldwide yeah. famine. The IMF has become the most recent global body to release a warning regarding potentially forthcoming global food shortages, saying the vulnerable nations are at risk. Civil unrest linked to sky high food prices is on the cards for poorer countries. Um, so they've warned uh, amid fears that the world could be heading into a global food crisis as well as unrest. Furthermore, increases in food and fuel prices may also significantly increase the prospect of social unrest in these poor countries. Uh, central, and I note this, I want to bring this in. Central banks will need to adjust their policies decisively to ensure the medium and long-term inflation expectations remain anchored. Now, yes, why would the International Monetary Fund? Here's what's interesting, Greg. We know the world's going to be linked together monetarily mm, to control gotcha. for digital. Yes. Now we see the yeah. monetary fund saying, look what's happening with the famines. And now we have to right. get involved for financial resources to distribute what we can through funds for the, for getting food to people. It goes on. The IMF is far from the first international organization warning about rising food prices. Um, and from this, they expect a migrant crisis could emerge. In other words, don't be surprised if more people rush the southern border of America, and don't be surprised if more people rush the borders of Europe. So you see, the we're going to break down the walls. We're getting one world. This is all like, oh, we can't help it. There's this crisis. Mm. As we're going to get into this, we'll see someone's behind yeah. in causing this crisis. Yeah. But now you see, Greg, the crisis being used to break down walls, to get everybody monetarily connected, and to make the world forced into a world government. Yeah. Crisis brings control there you go and that's what this is working toward leading to the antichrist yeah and i quote failure to provide this year uh, a few extra billion dollars means you're going to have famine now look at all the things they say you're going to have again the bible predicts this but they have different reasons you're going to famine destabilization and mass migration um 
said ex-Governor um, David Beasley, who now serves as the head of the World Food Bank. Other national officials have been not been so enthusiastic, with one political leader in Scotland denying efforts to dampen supply problems in favor of her government's green agenda. In other words, don't mm. help the people that need the help. Let's focus on the green agenda. And this will come back around because yeah. the environmental movement is a separate movement. But, Greg, these are all movements that Satan uses together in concert. The environmental movement, as well as the world governments, to bring about the one world ruling that he will have through the Antichrist. And and I would also add to that, Pastor Mark, and through that, also achieve the goal of diminishing the world's population, because oh, yeah. the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Yeah. So if you can use the justification, well, we need less humans on the earth because it's bad for the earth yes. to have so many humans, yes. or whatever your reasoning is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it all fits into the satanic agenda You're that right. we see playing out and that we see prophecy basically indicating to us. And, Greg, before we even go to these other two articles, yeah. let me expound on that. Yes, we need to get up and look at the satellite view of the earth and see what's going on, because all of these work together. See, yes. all we see is famine. Uh, crisis, migrant crises, uh, the monetary fund having to come together. But when you when yeah. you know from the high view, the ultimate goal is a one-world government with all of its governments, all of its money together, walls broken down, everyone unified so that Satan could step in through the Antichrist and rule the entire world. Every bit of this is tied together. The famines, the government, the money, it's all. And you begin to see it tied together. Um, but But when we come back down to earth, we have the different movements, political, you have your um, environmental. All of these are being controlled by the enemy, but they all stand on their own in separate ways, and they're being used. For example, I'll just you know, and again, I'm getting sidetracked a little, but that's okay. I think this is good for people to know. Um, the recent statistics—it's interesting. People look from city to city about global warming, and what they don't tell you is is that as cities grow, they get hotter by nature because you're adding more metal. More people, more buildings, more brick, and that absorbs the sun. So the temperature over time, as any city expands, any scientist can tell you the temperatures will be rising. Well, you'll notice when they talk about rising temperatures, they talk about how it's gone up here and how much it was in this city 10 years ago, and now it's this. What they're not telling you is that's very easy to explain. It's called environmental um, it, It's natural heating up because you have things that absorb heat. Right. Okay? So... What they're not telling you is, what are the satellites? We also have global satellites that surround the Earth and gives the Earth's temperature. Well, the recent readings, you ready for this? They just released the recent 20-year readings from our satellites. No change. <laughs> now, in the interesting? Shocking. What would be the most reliable temperature of overall Earth? It would be something from the satellites, looking at the whole Earth, not a city that adds more right. people, more brick, more cars, more metal, more steel, and absorbs heat. No. What is the overall? There's been zero change in the world's temperature overall in the last 20 years we now know that from the recent satellite released statistics now i find that intriguing again that's all part of why you don't tell the world that because now this can be used politically and what we see happening here in these kind of situations greg that we talked about this unifying the world right these are political issues and they're being used it's the spirit it's satan leading them but they're being used by people and factions down here. So let's go on to the next articles. Yeah. I wanted to point that out before no, we went on. That's good. Our next article comes from Business Wire, talking about Union Pacific, that is the railroad, curtailing yes. fertilizer shipments and delaying deliveries and preventing new rail orders from being taken. Now, are they the ones that are preventing it, or is somebody else? Yeah, this is interesting. Here's what I want now. Our Signs of the Times listeners to, to put on their spiritual glasses and see the larger picture. Jesus did say there'd be famine in the last days. He didn't say what would cause it. He just told us it he was just going said to happen. What's going to happen? Yeah. And remember, over all of this is Satan. He's he's the one that God's allowing to influence all these things in the last days, as he knows his time is short, as the mm-hmm. Bible says. And God gives him that levity. You already said it, Greg. There is a move to reduce the food supply in the world. Now we can talk about who's behind it. Let me go to the top and say first of all, it is satanic. It is demonic to remove the food supply. What would be the ultimate goal? The destruction of mankind. You already brought it up. Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. And his desire in his heart is to kill all of mankind in whatever way he can do it. So Satan is now moving through world governments. He's moving through the environmental movement. He's moving through Through radicals, all kinds of things to reduce the population. And he's using political agendas and world agendas to do it. And people just walking on the earth that aren't up in our spiritual satellite Mm -hmm. looking at it from the heavens, they don't get it. All they see is what's right in front of them. 
They don't have they don't have the viewpoint that God gives prophetically in the scriptures. So they're all taken in by this and deceived by this. But now I want you to notice a pattern. We talked about famines. There's going to be more famines. COVID's causing it. Wars are causing it. We know about the wheat reduction with Ukraine and Russia. We talked about that last week or the week before. And now we're seeing more of these famine issues coming on the scene, which we said would be happening. This one is astounding. You want to see if, if you doubted that there's not some entity that's behind this. Again, I know it's being used politically, financially, and all the other movements, but this is demonic. If you want to see who's really running it, this is talking about, Greg, when we need, okay, we have shortages, famines, we need our crops more than ever. They're now stopping fertilizer from getting to the farmers to solve the problem of the food crisis. You tell me somebody's not behind this. Exactly. Again, we know it's demonic, but he's using politics in the world as well. Let me read some of this. Amazing. You want to see the hand of the enemy at work. Uh, CF Industries Holdings, a leading global manufacturer of hydrogen and nitrogen products. That's fertilizer. Today informed customers it serves uh, by Union Pacific Rail Lines that railroad mandated shipping reductions, railroad mandated shipping reductions would result in fertilizer shipment delays during the spring application season, and that it would be unable to accept new rail sales involving Union Pacific for the foreseeable future. The company understands that it is one of only 30 companies to face these restrictions. Here's what they're saying, and I'll finish reading some of this. You're not going to get your fertilizer in time for your crops, which means you will lose your crops. Sorry, we're not going to ship it. Oh, by the way, there's a worldwide famine globally, and we all might die, but we don't feel rushed by this. Let's all just take a break. Now, this is when you know, Greg, look, it's either a very sinister organization on Earth, Mm -hmm. or it's demonic. I think probably a little of both, but led demonically. Absolutely. And listen to this quote. We urge the federal government to take action to remove these Union Pacific rail shipment restrictions to ensure this vital fertilizer will be able to reach U.S. farmers when and where they need it. The timing of this action by Union Pacific could not come at a worse time for farmers, the article says. Uh, uh, said Tony Will, president and chief executive officer of Industry Holdings. Not only will fertilizer be delayed by these shipping restric- restrictions, but additional fertilizer needed to complete spring applications may be unable to reach farmers at all. By placing this arbitrary restriction on just a handful of shippers, Union Pacific is jeopardizing farmers' harvest and increasing the cost of food for consumers. Now, if the president really cared about America's food supply and the global food supply, he would step in immediately and say, okay, this can't happen on my watch. On my watch, I will not allow it. As the president of the United States, I'm signing an executive order today saying Union Pacific and no others can put any restrictions on fertilizer, hire who you need to hire, use what rails you need to rail, everything stops. Get this to the farmers. The world needs food. But instead, Greg, crickets. Yeah. Speaking of crickets, that's what they want us to eat. They're saying, you know, they want us to eat <laughs> insects and stop eating meat. But really, yes. this is demonic, I'm yeah. telling you, and it's also being used politically. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Pastor Mark, our next article, uh, speaking of, we're just going to go deeper into this this uh, this rabbit hole yes. of, of uh, sinister schemes. But it's a good rabbit hole. It's a good rabbit hole. Yes. Pooh is uh, in there with some honey. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now you're going to make me hungry. Okay. Sorry. EUtimes.net is reporting that dozens of U.S. food processing plants have been destroyed in fires and accidents in recent weeks. Yeah, this is extremely intriguing to me in a lot of the other two articles we just read. Um, and let me just say, what we're going to see here is is statistically beyond the realm of natural. Something's going on. Someone, again, earthly and sinister is behind this, and or I think ultimately leads up to Satan and the demonic realm. Greg, you know what, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the article. And but give your... Give your uh, their first, third, second, and fourth I things will. that you gave me yes, before the I broadcast. Yes, I will. I will. And, and let me read some of it, and then we'll talk about that, because yeah. I want to hear what happened. But here's the amazing thing to me. Um, you talk about Satan being involved or, or, or whatever. When you see this, there is an organized effort to reduce the world's food supply. It is now undeniable. The question is, a lot of people who are just jump on to, you know, maybe they want to use it politically, they'll just say, well, the government's doing it. Some who want to maybe attack just the environmental movement, the environmental, yeah. some, whoever. This ultimately, I believe, leads back to the demonic realm. This is orchestrated from higher than mankind. Now, Satan uses these organizations. 
But it is now undeniable. And when I read this article, I'll share what I share with you, Greg, yeah. that it is undeniable. There is something going on globally, regardless of where you want to put the blame. There is something going on globally to harm the world's food supply. Yeah. Let me read some of this. Again, from the EU, dozens of food processing plants and warehouses, dozens have been destroyed by fires, plane crashes, and other curious accidents in recent weeks. Now, look, food processing plants burn. Planes crash. That's normal. Okay? This is not normal. Dozens in the last few weeks. Let's go on. Representing a disturbing trend that falls outside the realm of coincidence. Even they recognize it in this EU report. The latest incident happened in Covington, Georgia, where a plane crashed. Again, by the way, two in one week. Not into the same place, but two into one week into, into food processing plants. This one crashed in Georgia into a General Mills plant on Thursday, killing two people and destroying a number of, number of trailers stored at the plant. The crash happened just before Fox News' Tucker Carlson was about to report on the curious spate of food plant accidents, hmm. leaving him flabbergasted at the apparent coincidence. <laughs> What's going on here, he said. Well, the story gets weirder. Food processing plants all over the country are catching fire. A couple of days ago, a fire destroyed the headquarters of Azure Standard, one of the largest organic food distributors in the country. The end of the last month, the fire severely damaged a fresh onion packing facility in South Texas. In Oregon, a potato chip processing plant just reported a boiler explosion that sent workers to the hospital. Industrial accidents happen, of course, but this, the article says, is a lot of industrial accidents at food processing facilities. At the same time, the president is warning about food shortages. Here's Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, last month predicting food shortages that were coming as a result, he said, of the Ukraine war. And I quote, with regard to food shortages, yes, we did talk about food shortages, and it's going to be real, President Biden said at a press conference in Belgium. Shockingly, nearly 20 U.S. food plants have been damaged. 20 damaged or destroyed over the last year. Um, around the same time, supply chain breakdowns already began gnarling the U.S. food supply. Then came the war in Ukraine last February, resulting in food costs reaching all-time highs and supply chain issues worldwide. But never fear, uh, because Bill Gates has brought up hundreds of thousands of acres of U.S. farmland across 19 states over the last several years, making him the largest private farmland owner in the country. Which means... Who controls the food? Yeah, Bill Gates right now. Listen to this. Notably, China has also been spending billions buying up tens of thousands of acres in American farmland. So they're catching up with Bill Gates. Whether a coincidence or conspiracy theory, these bizarre circumstances nevertheless add up to the same thing. Here it is. Food shortages are likely coming, and billionaires like Bill Gates and hostile foreign nations are the ones that stand to benefit and have the control. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just say, as a believer, you don't need to be scared. God will take right. care of us. But here's my point I want to make. Jesus said there'd be famines. It has begun. And there will be famines. Um, God has promised he'll take care of us. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. I do think as believers, we need to have certain precautions and probably have a small store of food in case there's a week or two of confusion and chaos. You need to have something you can grab, and, and I do believe it'll settle out. I think God will take care of us. Because I don't care how much food and water you store, you can't store enough to provide your family for multiple years. You know, even And I look at Jacob and, and his 12 sons. When they were there, Greg, and, and, and the 11 sons, rather, because Joseph was down in Egypt, God took care of them. The, the first two years of that famine, they weren't down there with Joseph, and God took care of them. God's going to be faithful. But here's the point. We can look at it and say the government's causing it, uh, the environmentalists. So you can blame it all kinds of people are causing it. Here's the bottom line. Um, God said it's going to happen. It is going to happen. And I believe it's much higher than any earthly government. I think there right. is a coordination going on. Something's happening. And the government, it does seem that there is something happening worldwide where there is a connection here. But I think it's much higher than just worldly governments. They may be involved. But I think, again, this is part of that satanic uh, process at the end where Satan is going to try to kill as many as he can, cause as much damage, harm, chaos. But exactly what the Lord said was going to happen in Matthew 24 is happening. We are seeing famines increase. So we need not fear. But we need to be prepared, and then this is where we trust our God. Yeah. He's our provider, and so we turn our eyes to Him. But very interesting. You're listening to WIAMLP Knoxville. These are the Signs of the Times, our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, April 29th, 2022. This is episode 13. 13- 
213 for those podcasting on Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, and anywhere you really can get a podcast, you can probably find us right there. Pastor Mark, our next article to finish up our pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption category yes. comes from uh, the Associated Press by way of ABC News. And this is regarding a newly formed board uh, created by Homeland Security called the Disinformation Board. Yeah, this is huge. Now, some people are linking this to Elon Musk's recent purchase of Twitter. Yeah. Some people are, in the article, is linking it to uh, Russian smugglers or whatever. That's just an excuse. These are all just excuses. Yeah. No, this is an agenda to control the narrative. Uh, we've been watching media, Greg, for years and years. Uh, Satan has used the media to control the narrative and to tell the masses what he wants them to know so that the world can be controlled through earthly governments and earthly organizations. And then when the truth gets out, because, of course, the Internet and other things and all these other stations that started you know, coming out where you couldn't suppress it, then the attack was, well, this is dif- disinformation. You're putting disinformation. So that's when Twitter gets involved. And they start blocking everybody for, and I put it in quotes, disinformation, when really most of the time they're just telling the truth, but it's stuff the world doesn't want to hear. And the, the powers at, at, at B don't want to hear it. So they try to squelch it and silence it and call it disinformation. And so if you get the truth out there about whatever the subject might be, whether it be COVID-19, whether it be famines, whether it be government, you know, uh, initiatives, whatever, it's got to be shut down and stopped because they want to control the narrative, they want to control the people, they want the power, they don't want people to know the truth because then people get mad and fight against it. So what you do is they're setting up a board to decide what is true and what is false and if you put something out there that they say that they say is false, whether it's true or not, they will call it disinformation. And by the way, it's official because the government said so, and we have our own governmental board that decides what's official. We're the ones that have the science. We're the ones that made the decision. They're making themselves to be God, and they're basically saying our word is the word of God, and what we say is true, and what you say is false. This is so scary, Greg, when you think about what it means to the world controlling what people say, controlling what people do. If you try to put the truth out there, all they have to do is run it through the filter of their disinformation board that has made up their mind what they will decide is true and false and then spit it out. And and the person that is either unsaved and their eyes are closed or just believes what anybody tells them, they're all going to line up like a bunch of little ducks behind their mommy and just walk quacking. Again, the Department of Homeland Security is stepping up an effort to counter disinformation. Let me put a quote on what they call disinformation. Coming from Russia, as well as misleading information that human smuggler, smugglers circulate to target migrants hoping to travel to the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, this sounds like a noble thing to do. We're stopping these evil mm-hmm. countries from giving wrong information. Mm-hmm. This is just an excuse to put it in place. And then, Greg, they'll be stopping you because you told the truth about something, and they're stopping that false information that Greg Hilton, Mark Kirk, or whoever else is saying. This is this is evil. And, and it's the next be thing you know, we'll be invading Moldova to counteract terrorism. Yeah, well, the next thing you know, Jed's a millionaire. Yes. But anyway, anyway, but getting we better back to move a, away from yes, there. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. California is a place you don't want to be. be. <laughs> so load up your truck and move to Tennessee. But oh, anyway, very which is nice. What they're doing, by the way. But anyway, yes. Uh, let me go on. The article says the spread of disinformation can affect border security, American safety during disasters, public trust in the domestic institutions, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! End quote. They didn't really say that. I added that last part myself. <laughs> However, yes. Notice this: public trust in domestic institutions. Here's what they're saying. Yeah. We have to control the narrative because as people see we're lying, they aren't trusting the government anymore. Oh, they don't, imagine that. They don't trust the WHO. They don't trust Fauci anymore. They don't trust our, our president and our leaders because they're finding out we're being lied to. So what's happening is we've got to shut that down. So we're going to put a board together that will decide what's true and what's false. And we're going to say, hey, if that person is saying something we don't agree with, then it must be false. Our official board has said that. It's disinformation. And we're going to shut them down. This is like 1984 uh, stuff. This is like this is truly last day's control stuff. Unbelievable. Um, so this uh, disinformation governance board was announced Wednesday. We'll immediately begin focusing on mis- misinformation um, and, again, uh, even problems at the U.S. southern border. Yeah. So they're going, oh, look, there's no problem down there. Don't look, don't look at the man behind the curtain. Pay no attention, Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to him. Um, just trust us. We're telling you the truth. Yeah. And, and this is, Greg, I can't. 
Listen, I cannot believe if 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 anybody if America allows this to happen, we're signing our own death certificate. It will not be free speech is already being shut down. Yeah, this will completely erase anything of truth in the government of America if this goes forward. Now, I'm not going to say that this is prophecy, but for those that are not familiar, maybe some of our younger listeners or viewers are not familiar with George Orwell's book, 1984. Yes, this was a book that was actually written and published in 1949 talking about in the future this year 1984 and it it talks about and i'll read this here when much of the world has fallen victim to perpetual war omnipresent government surveillance historical negotiationism and propaganda yeah and so if you want to read what this book was warning about yeah uh, you know, you're, we're living it today, but if you've not read the book, read it, and you're going to find some eerie similarities between that book, 1984, and what's happening today. It's amazing. It's amazing because, you know, how, how he saw this coming, again, whether or not he was... I'm not going to say that he was a prophet or God, God I, gave I him the prophecy, or maybe he just had enough common sense and critical thinking yeah. to see what could happen. Could be one of those doesn't-take-a-genius moments, but I'll tell you what. Well, that, you know, truly, that he came out of the end of World War II there and yeah. saw what was happening and, you know, and what happened in World War II and Hitler in Europe. So. Yeah, it really is. But but this is creepy stuff, and yeah. uh, we need to have our, 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 our antennas high. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break from our articles. You've got me. Because we do have a listener question. And if you've got a question for Pastor Mark, we encourage you to go to thewaymedia.net or download the Waymedia app and just navigate your way to Signs of the Times and you'll see where you can submit your prophecy question for Pastor Mark like Janelle did. Uh, Janelle lives uh, south of us there in Maryville. And she wants to know, what will the marriage supper of the Lamb be like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take a moment. This is an amazing, this question is a lot deeper than it sounds. We we don't know exactly, first of all, Janelle, we don't know exactly what the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be like. But I think we have been given some very good clues. I'll tell you what we know biblically, and then I'll tell you the picture that the Lord gave us. Biblically, here's what we know. Um, The church will be raptured. We will go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to be there. No doubt there'll be a gigantic table set up because it's a marriage supper. There won't be any famine. That's right. No famine. <laughs> Last thing you're going to think about is famine. You're going to have not only not only seven years worth of glorious yes. heavenly food. It's going to be in such abundance, such flavors. I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. And no calories. And no calories. It means you can just feast all you want and, and still look really awesome by the time you're done. So, again, either way. Um, so here's what we do know that. We'll go there for seven years. We're going to be celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb with the Lord. And, um, and so that's pretty much all it tells us. However, he gave us a beautiful picture of the of marriages in Galilee in his days, and that's what I want to talk about for a moment, because I do believe, Greg, that the Lord gave us some clues and some hints about what it's going to be like. Now, here's how the marriage worked in that day. First of all, it was, it was very exciting. You didn't know. You, you got betrothed a year in advance, and that is kind of like your engagement. Um, and you were officially considered married, but you didn't have any relations. You didn't live together. There were no physical relations. Nothing was consummated. You just were officially married on paper. And, and by the way, if you got divorced or split up at that point, you had to go through divorce papers to do it. That's how serious it was. And you would go, the bride would go and prepare her wedding, all her dress and all the things she would get ready over that year. The man would go to his father's home and build on to it and prepare for his bride. He would go to prepare a place for his bride. So this should already be ringing some bells. Uh, the bride's getting ready, and the, he's going to prepare a place. Jesus said, I'm coming back to get you. I'm going to prepare a place. So the whole picture of him being our spiritual husband, we're the bride. We're supposed to be getting ourselves ready. Now, the bride would take a full year beautifying herself. The picture is, when we give our life to Christ, and he makes that proposal, we should be beautifying ourselves for the Lord. So when he comes back to take us, he goes, man, do you look good or what? And that's a lesson for husbands. You know, when you're waiting on your wife and you're trying to go somewhere. There you go. It all comes from this. That's right. Look, be patient. Be patient. She is beautifying herself for you and for all those that will see her. So the wives will love you for that one, Greg. That was great. (laughs) So then what you would do is when the year was done, you would go by surprise and get your bride. Well, again, we talk about the rapture of the church. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that trumpet blast, he'll suddenly appear and he'll call his bride to his home. So the whole picture there, even in the way, the way they did weddings, is going to be the same way. We're going to be surprised. The trumpet blast, they would, they would blow the ram's horn in the street, middle of the night, 
and you had to wake up and go get ready and head off to the wedding. So it was really uh, exciting and, you know, all these different emotions. And this is really cool. I want to throw this in. They would bring a chair with them that they carried, and the bride would come out of the home, sit down in the chair, like like they call them a, you know, like a, a beer, B-I-E-R is what they call them, you know, where they carry the bodies. You have, you know, the handles on both sides. Mm-hmm. And she would sit in this chair, they would stand up, and they would pick her up and carry her to the father's house, and they literally called it flying the bride to the father's house. What a beautiful picture of the rapture of the church. The Bible says that the the horn will sound, the trumpet blast, even as they did the ram's horn in the streets. The bride will then be flown to the father's house, and the rapture of the church will rise to meet the Lord of the air. And then we will again enter the major banqueting hall of heaven, whatever that's going to be like. I, I don't know. I imagine this we is don't know. massive table. No. Who knows? But it's going to be a feast and we're, I'm sure we'll be, you know, sure we could stand, but I think we'll be sitting or reclining or whatever in this celebration. Yeah. You, then you would go into the father's home and everyone invited, note this, that was ready. Everyone invited that was ready went into the wedding supper. Remember, he said there were 10 virgins, five were ready, five weren't. He said the five that weren't ready, the door closed and they didn't get to go in. They, the whole time, they didn't get to enter. They had to stay outside. And what you would do is you would go in and for seven days, the family closed the doors and no one else came in for seven days. You couldn't come in. You, you, you couldn't go out. You were just in there. So the family had to have enough food and supplies and everything you needed for seven days for all your guests. And when you went to a wedding back then, Greg, you were making a commitment. I mean, you're like, I got seven days. I got to get off of work. And this is, you know, whatever. But it was a great time of celebration. You would go in, they would close the doors for those who were ready. If you weren't ready, you missed it. Think about those who aren't ready for the rapture. Those who don't know Christ. He's going to call his bride in, and if this is you listening today, you're going to miss it. And you can't go back later. He said, remember, there will be those standing at the door knocking, saying, Lord, Lord, did we not let us in? Did we not do this? Did we not do that? He says, depart from me. I never knew you. So if you don't get in, you're locked out during that seven, seven days. Now, it's interesting, seven days of the wedding, we see the seven-year Great Tribulation. So there's a real correlation the Lord's painting here. So you go in, they close the door. Immediately, the husband and wife would consummate the marriage. Now, this to me is extremely awkward in today's culture. That would be so awkward to me. You go in, yes, and with all your mothers-in-laws yes. and fathers-in-laws and families and brothers and sister friends, you went to a back room and you had relations with your wife while they waited. And everyone knows what you're doing. Yeah, and they're all yes. there waiting. <laughs> And then you would come out, and there'd be a Awkward. big celebration. Yes. Yeah, look, ah! yeah, yeah, and a big celebration. Congratulations, my son! Congratulations! <laughs> yeah. Seriously. And then there was something. Now, now I can't again, even but Greg, here's the thing: yeah. in our mindset today, yeah, but, but, but that's the problem. We're so tainted back then. If you grew up, yes, with everyone doing that, yes, and everyone stayed a virgin, yes, until that time, and saw it as a pure event, absolutely, that represented a relationship to God, yes. which they did. Yeah. it would have been a celebration. Yeah. It wouldn't have been awkward. But either way, today, extremely awkward. Yeah. It wouldn't have been then. So you, that would happen first. They would come back, and then at the very first of the ceremony, and then for the seven days, you feasted and celebrated with the bride and his, and, and his groom. I believe that's a picture, Janelle, of what will happen when we go mm. to the kingdom. I believe we're going to be whisked up at the sound of a trumpet blast, just like you know, that the Lord said, the picture he gave. I believe the door the doors are closed. If you missed the rapture, you're here for the seven-year yeah. great tribulation. You're not getting in. Yeah. And then uh, we'll be in there feasting with the Lord those seven years. What's it going to be like? I'll tell you this. All we know is this. The food will be amazing. The fellowship will be amazing. I don't know. We, we can't really relate. There's not going to be a physical consummation with the Lord. There's nothing like that. It's all going to be spiritual. But I believe with even just, and, and without that, you know, trying not to be even awkward in saying this, but even with the, the enjoyment that God gives in that union with husband and wife, it's going to be so much greater in a spiritual union. What's that going to be like with his bride in a non-physical, spiritual way, there's bound to be some amazing euphoria and joy and connection in spirit that we've never had with God. Even now as believers, Greg, we're betrothed, mm-hmm. but we're not officially married yet. And what that means is there's going to be a greater euphoric spiritual experience when we're connected to the Lord. So we're all going to be there together rejoicing in this amazing spiritual moment with God, and then we all celebrate forever but it's going to start with seven years of feasting and laughing and fellowship and joy and rejoicing. I believe at that time, very possibly, Janelle, very possibly, that'll be the Bema Seat of Christ, which is where God gives out the rewards. It may be kind of like giving rewards, almost like a rewards banquet. People throughout the seven years, you did this, you served there, you give everything up. Paul, you lifted all, you did this, you know, and, and uh, you know, whatever. And the rewards will begin. We'll all be rejoicing and celebrating together at, at this rewards banquet, if you will, very possibly, I believe. And then... When we come to the end of that seven years, the Lord will say, all right, bride, hop on the white horses. 
and we'll all get on white horses. And the Bible says that the Lord will come back with the saints, with us, at the second coming, at the end of that seven years. We'll leave the wedding supper of the Lamb. We will ride through the universe. And I, I've always tried to picture what will that be like? You know, passing Venus, Mars, all the different constellations, all these beautiful things you see. We'll be riding past them on these heavenly horses, just going, we're going now to take the world over. I mean, the excitement level will be out the heavens. <laughs> There's no roof even there. It's going to be just like, yeah. whoa! You know, except don't yell whoa because your horse may stop. But anyway, <laughs> it's like who's yelling whoa? We're, we keep going anyway. Keep going, yes. but but we'll all and then we'll all come down from heaven down to the earth. The Lord at that moment will go and smash the armies at Petra that are trying to kill the Jews in the last days. The Bible says the Antichrist will be down there trying to destroy the Jews. Then he will smash all the armies in Armageddon and around Jerusalem. He will come down, set his foot on the Mount of Olives. The entire Earth's topography will change. The Bible tells us. Uh, Jerusalem will be raised up. The temple Mount will be raised up. He'll establish his throne and we will all rule and reign with him for a thousand years on this earth before he creates a new heaven and a new earth that will live with him forever in that. And so the wedding supper of the lamb goes into a glorious future. We don't have all the details, but we have a lot of details. And I think if you go and study the marriages of ancient Israel, and again, I've got a book here, The Rapture, uh, The Wedding Day of the Lord. It's here at the church. You can order that. We talk about all that in there. You get an idea of really what's going on. And so there's kind of a synopsis, but again, just an amazing event that's yeah. lined up for us, Greg. And it's going to be unbelievable. Absolutely. Well, uh, Janelle, we hope that answers your question and encourages you as well. And uh, as Pastor Mark said, if you're interested in reading his book, The Rapture, The Wedding Day of the Lord, uh, you can go to thewaymedia.net and just click on store. And uh, both of his books that he has out there for sale are online for you to purchase all right uh, let's get to our last uh, category of the day pastor mark and that is the church yes this is from christianheadlines.com um a texas pastor asserts in a controversial tweet don't tell an unbeliever god loves you yeah this is really um very sad and very concerning, but I want to talk for a while. I'm glad and we he, have some he time. And he somehow justifies this. Well, and let me let me let me tell you where it's coming from, Greg. And the, the article really describes it okay. here. This is coming from a Calvinistic viewpoint, and uh, and, I, and I I want to deal with this very yep. gingerly, but very straightforwardly, and kind of share my heart on this. Um, let me read the article. A Texas pastor sparked an online debate last week over a tweet where he argued that unbelievers should not be told that God loves them. Th- this is not unusual. This is a, I'll get back to this. Is a very normal teaching uh, in this movement. Gabe Hughes, an associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Lindell, Texas, tweeted the following message last Wednesday. You should not tell an unbeliever that God loves them. The apostle never shared the gospel this way. The Bible says God's wrath is upon unbelievers. Help them see their sin. Warn them of judgment. Give them the gospel, he continued. Here's some of the tweets that were uh, written back to him, and I'll quote, Yikes! For God so loved the world, one person wrote, in reference to John 3.16, I'm so sorry if you've been shown otherwise. I'm so very sorry, truly. Then Kim Cotola, the author and host of Cradle My Heart Radio, also chimed in on the debate, sharing how she came to Christ after someone told her Jesus loved me enough to die for me. That's what led me to Christ, she said. There's another quote. I was broken over sin already, she quoted, uh, and said I would have come. he would have come for me if there was only one. That's how much he values me. Now get this. In response, Pastor Hughes said respectfully, he would have come for me if I was only one is very self-centered. That is not God's plan of redemption. If you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit brought you to him in spite of some of those words you were first told, not because of them. I say this in love, he ends his quote. And here he explains it, and we'll talk about this briefly. As reported by church leaders, other people pointed out that Hugh's idea of God's love is rooted in Calvinism. According to Calvinist doctrine, God's love is only extended to those who are the elect, not the world. Those God has chosen in advance for salvation. You know, Greg, this has been an issue. We're not going to solve the Calvinism issue in a few minutes on the radio, nor do I want to try, nor is my heart to bring division in the body of Christ and to create some big argument and even bring something up that turns into some big argument for the show here. So if you don't agree with me, then, you know, you don't have to write a letter or, or, or let me know. You just, just know that. Um, you're not going to change my opinion, and I'm not going to turn it into a big argument on our show or anything else. But this is the problem that I've had for years with uh, Calvinism and Calvinistic teaching. Do I believe that Calvinists 
Uh, they go by the acronym TULIP, the five points or whatever. Basically, let me sum Calvinism. Do I believe the Calvinists know the Lord? Yes, I'm not saying the Calvinists aren't Christians and aren't saved. I'm not, I'm not going there. But it's a very, very strong doctrine that says that um, you basically, I'll sum it up this way. You have zero choice in anything that ever happens. God is the one that is sovereign. And I agree with that statement, but they take it to an extreme. They say that God's sovereignty means that no one is allowed a choice and that, and that he makes everything happen. God, ma- he makes everything happen. They, it even goes so far as to say that God creates people for eternal judgment. In other words, he just creates them so they can suffer eternally in hell. That's why they're created. I'm going to create you so you suffer forever. I just dis- I couldn't disagree with that more. I, 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 see, I don't see a God that would torture somebody intentionally forever just to do it. I see all through the scripture we have a choice. It starts in the very beginning of scripture. Adam and Eve in the garden. God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You have a choice to and a choice not to. He told the children of Israel, choose this day whom you will serve. Um, you know, he told Jesus, uh, Jesus told the rich young ruler, you know, go sell all that you have and follow me. And he, and the rich young ruler chose not to do that. He said, if you do that, you'll have eternal life. He told him, if you do that, you'll have eternal life. And the man chose not to and walked away. So to deny choice in the Bible is just, unbiblical jesus it, himself made a choice yeah. he said did i not choose you mark fourteen twenty? Yeah. did i not choose you the 12 and yeah. one of you is a devil yeah so i couldn't disagree more with calvinism honestly but i do i don't i don't look they're brothers in the lord i don't want to start a fight and i'm not going to try to cause i I, I will i call them brothers i will do ministry with them i said but i just disagree with that teaching now let me uh, real quickly before we run out of time say well mark what yeah. do you do about predestination i also believe in predestination i believe the bible teaches choice and I believe the Bible teaches predestination, and I believe the Bible teaches God's sovereignty. So those of you that maybe kind of have different viewpoints might be saying, well, how can you believe in, 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 in choice and predestination and sovereignty and say they all go together? Well, first of all, I believe it because the Bible teaches it. I can't explain why. It just teaches all of them, so I believe them all. But here's, my, uh, here's the way that, for me, makes total sense. I do believe that God is sovereign. I do believe that God predestines. But here's the thing. The, God, the Bible says God knows all things before they ever happen. He sees everything before it ever takes place. So all God had to do was look and see who would choose him and who would reject him. And then for those he knew that would choose him, they are predestined. Now you have man's choice and predestination and God's sovereignty over it all. To me, that's very simple. It's not difficult and it's not controversial. However, no doubt there are probably some that would see that as controversial and they have all their arguments. I'm not going to get into those arguments. I'm just going to say my concern with this teaching is, is that you can't tell people God loves them. Um, And oftentimes they'll jump to Esau and Jacob where it says Jacob God loved, Esau God hated. Well, they forget the context. When you read that in context, God is speaking nationally, not individually. He's not talking about Jacob as a person and Esau as a person. He's talking about the nation of Israel that descended from Jacob and the nation of Esau. And he's saying nationally, Esau's descendants chose to follow other gods and turn away. So God hated that. Nationally, the Jews chose to follow him. So God loved that. So when you understand context, these things begin to make sense. Um, but it even goes so far to say that God ordains, you know, murder and all kinds of things. They, they, they call God the author of sin, etc. Look, I'm going to stop here. I've said enough. Um, I just want to say that um, any any doctrine that tells you that you can't tell anyone in the world that God loves them, that's a false doctrine. And I'm just going to say it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe would inherit eternal life. Jesus said, if any comes to me, I will in no way turn them away. I have to reject any teaching that teaches otherwise. However, I do not reject my brothers who believe that. And I'm not on some soapbox to go out and attack that particular movement. I'm just saying I firmly stand against it, and that's why. And so um, that wasn't exactly good yeah. news today, but I think that's important news. Yeah. Well, and it's also important, too, that we bring up the very words of Jesus that our listeners can go back and read later, and that's John chapter 15. Yeah. And the branches and the vine, and Jesus well, himself even gives the... And Pastor Chuck summed that up, Greg, the best I can. Well, thanks for bringing that yeah. up before the show ends, because that would have yeah. bothered me later. Yeah. Here's the thing. Pastor Chuck said, look, this is a non-issue if you just believe and do what Jesus said in John 15. He said, if you abide in me, which means stay in me, if you stay in me, you'll have eternal life. He said, if you don't, you'll be cut off. And so he said, just abide. Just stay in Christ, and it will never be an issue of whether or not once saved, always saved, or can you walk away. I do not believe you can lose your salvation. I want to say that. But the Bible doesn't say anywhere you can't choose to walk away. And there's a big there's a big difference there. One thing is losing it, the other's leaving it. Yeah. And I do believe God allows someone who chooses to leave it to leave it. 
I do not believe I do not believe it can be lost. Yeah. I think that's impossible. Yeah. Uh, but again, I think the, since the Bible teaches both, I think we have to teach both and just abide. Yeah. And it's never an issue. Yeah. And boy, did I open up a can of worms. Please don't send me emails or letters. <laughs> well, we're glad that you chose to listen to us today. And we will leave you with this. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. And if you don't know him, now's your opportunity to give your life to him right now and just confess those things to the Lord. And we will be back next Friday at 1.30 for more Signs of the Times right here on WIAM. God's greatest commandment. There are songs that tell you that love is all you need. But in real life living, it doesn't seem like many people believe that. This is a month when love is emphasized, celebrated, and longed for. But longing for it is easier than receiving love. It's easier to say that love is needed than to show it. It's easier to think love is a good idea than to let others know you really care. Connect God's love with His desire for you to love others. And never wait to share it. Love transforms the hardest of humans, strengthens the weakest of hearts, and encourages community. If God is love, then love is exactly what you need, precisely what you should share, and is forever God's great gift. You don't need to wait for one day in February to express love.